0: peace y'all this is open Mike eagle and you are checked into fly fidelity with menace
1: hey what's going on everybody and welcome to another episode of fly fidelity i'm your host luke bailey Incredible content for incredible times. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and SoundCloud if you aren't already. Also, make sure you check us out at flyfidelity.co.uk. And now for the main event. I'm
0: overwhelmed by everything happening in the world, like, Mm. you know, both personally and, um, you know, societally. It's
1: definitely a lot, man. You've got, you've got mm-hmm. a new album on the way, Anime Trauma and Divorce, which is available mm-hmm. for pre-order right now. It's an album yep. which, after hearing the singles, or single rather, you've released from it so far, I think people need to hear as much as you need to make. Do you still mm-hmm. feel as conflicted as you felt in recent months about releasing an album as painful as some of the subject matter on this album?
0: Yeah, man. Uh, it It feels somewhat selfish to be trying to promote a project based on my personal um, personal difficulties when you know a lot of people have lost jobs a lot of people have gotten sick a lot of people have passed away Um, it's just kind of a bleak environment and it's it's a little difficult to be saying hey hey y'all I got a new Album full of more dark stuff. You know right. what I mean. It
2: doesn't.
0: It, it's not um, like business-wise, like promotion-wise. Sometimes it feels a little awkward and and a little selfish.
1: I mean, we're talking about some of the darkest subject matter on this project from yourself. How much was healing a guiding principle when you started writing this project? Was it always going to be an album as dark as you say it is?
0: Nah, when I first started, I was just writing a project about how, um, how oppressed people really, um, gravitate towards anime because of, like, the power fantasy. So, like, that was, Mm. the thesis was, was somewhere around there about, like, oppressed people, the relationship between oppressed people and power fantasies. Um, but then I started going through my own shit and, um... You know my therapist kind of had to remind me that I have an outlet that a lot of people don't have. Like a lot right. of people aren't fortunate enough to have like a way to get things out um when they're going through stuff and and to name their feelings and put stuff kind of out there to to help process it. so um, you know I, I kind of pivoted at that point and started write about what I was going through.
1: You mentioned this album originally being reflective of anime in a relationship with Black audiences, Can you talk mm-hmm. about the role of anime with this project and the role of anime within your life and recently, of course?
0: I mean, um, I, you know, I've always just enjoyed it because of the character depth. Um, it, it, you know, as opposed to like a lot of American entertainment, animated and live action, like uh, there's a lot of flat characters in American entertainment. A lot of really simple stories, um, and a lot of not a lot that actually feels. Uh, relatable to me in terms of what a character goes through or what a character's struggles are um, so anime has always resonated with me because it, it goes deeper and the the advantage that, that a lot of the shows have is that they put people like people that they set you up to relate to you put them in really awful situations like extremely awful like absurdly awful and um, there's something about watching What those situations do to a character, how it affects the choices they make and the resources that they find to push through, like those things really resonate for me. Um, And I think those things define the power fantasy. Um, And in my life, um, you know, I have I have sought sometimes to find inspiration and how to get through my own stuff by looking at what can happen in some of this some of this uh, some of this material
1: very dope but let's talk about that material is there any material that people should check out in terms of anime as far as being able to catch some of the references you make on this album would you recommend somebody checks out an anime show or some of the anime shows you're talking about on this project before listening
0: um i don't i think the only one that's really like what would be helpful if somebody was really wanting to set the table for themselves in terms of understanding references would be uh jojo's bizarre adventure is 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 one it's a show that i end up referencing um in a bunch of ways but i actually have a song about that that kind of references that show specifically uh most of the rest of the references on the album in terms of uh, anime are more uh vague and more um like, those shows influence the songs thematically more than they did in terms of specific pieces of content. Mm. So um, so I don't think that having uh, a lot of experience with other shows is going to – I don't think it's going to um, wildly um, increase somebody's uh, enjoyment or understanding of of the project necessarily. But, but JoJo would help.
1: And with the same token, it's not going to hinder or dampen anybody's relationship with exactly. this music, right? So Precisely. With that, how much is this album reflective of the dialogue you have on this podcast, "Secret Skin"?
0: Um. Hmm. You know, it's the interesting thing is that I, I originally had planned to make the podcast or this season of it all about, um. The themes reflected in the album, but I didn't really end up doing that. Um, mm. I might later, but I didn't really do it um, thus far. So there's not there's not a direct connection at the moment. Um, I part you know part of part of me even making an album like this is to make space for me to have conversations with a little bit more of a of a of a darker tint in mm-hmm. my public life because I haven't really done that much. Um, and even though I intended to do it this time, I didn't really follow through with it in terms of uh, podcast material.
1: Are you in any way trying to encourage people seeking therapy with this album? Is this your attempt at trying to promote it being okay to talk about mental health and feeling a certain type of way?
0: I, I, yeah, I think by um, by the you know by just the fact of me doing it. And, and not thinking twice about it in terms of, of, of you know reflecting the the choices and the reality of, of you know uh, engaging in therapy um, I do think that's somewhat helpful overall in the conversation around uh, mental health. I don't think I'm necessarily doing it with the intent to encourage or um, you know push people towards that but uh, I do think that it's important, that people are less reluctant to have those sorts of conversations uh, with whoever they want to have those sorts of conversations with. Like, I do think it's important to kind of reduce the stigma around it.
1: So if it happens to serve as a tool to help people, then you're okay with that? Absolutely, 100%. The name of the album suggests a heavy focus on a recent divorce you had to go through. I'm, I'm curious as to what, if, if any parts of being human what parts did you have to divorce of yourself as a way to tap into as honest of a place for this project?
0: Uh, it's really just about embracing vulnerability um, and trying to directly speak to feelings rather than um, talk around them. I spent a lot of my career talking around certain feelings. Um mm. uh, so this the the main difference with this project is that I chose to speak to some things, um, you know, emotion like in terms of emotion, I, I chose to speak to them directly um, in ways that I haven't before. So um, I had to separate myself from from the part of me who typically attempts to avoid those sorts of conversations
1: kind of conversations are we talking about with this album what what are some of the themes you're talking about on this project
0: uh trauma is a big deal in it um i think you know like the first song on is kind of about cycle of trauma and i think that that's been a through line in my life and it's been a through line through my my career it's been a through line through my music this whole time um and i i'm trying to draw a line um between uh trauma and you know, um, adult relationships and, um, and, and dissociation in a sense. That's, that's kind of where the anime comes in is, is, you know, everybody kind of has their different ways of dealing with their stuff. Um, a lot of times when you have trauma, it takes professional help to deal with stuff, but a lot of people who have trauma don't seek that out. Um, and so people, Uh, self-soothe in a lot of different ways and Mm -hmm. a popular way to self-soothe is through dissociation um and i think that you know there's been some times in my life when i've dissociated through media through uh anime through comic book stories um so that you know there's themes of that on the album there's themes of like being someone my age rapping like that's also a theme on it like kind of midlife crisis kind of i'm about to turn 40 what am i doing with my life kind of kind of uh reflections on there too um so you know it's it's, it's a lot of real explorations of like actual feelings that i've had over you know this year and the last
1: you mentioned the phrase self-soothing uh one of my favorite songs and undoubtedly a moment of self-soothing for yourself was Neighborhood Protection. You recorded the song as a way, as a spell to ward off subtle social attacks at Blacklist. How, mm-hmm. how do you think your work has encouraged audiences to engage in discourse on hip-hop,
0: understanding older concepts, and producing new meanings? Mm. Um, I, You know, I, I don't know if we're, if from where I sit, I have a really good handle on that. I know that I attempt to... Um, you know, to to further um, further put out the truth that black people are not one thing. Like, there's no just one black experience. That like, mm. I feel like part of the conversation that that has to happen um, socially in terms of racial justice is to is to have people understand that the black experience comes in all sorts of different shapes and sizes and Attitudes and um, and everything else because I think what that does is is it diffuses the sense of stereotype that in terms of let's say if you're a policeman and you know you're in a situation where you're dealing with a black person if you hear you know policemen who have who have shot black people if you hear how they describe the situation They see stereotypes first in a lot of a lot of these Mm. instances. That's what's informing their lethality, their reflexes, their instincts in that situation. Is kind of like this boogeyman character, um, in um, in how blackness is perceived and promoted a lot of times in America. And um, you know, I want, I want to always be diffusing that. I want to always be subverting that. Um, I want to announce proudly with everything that I do that like I'm a proud black man and I can make whatever kind of choices I want to make. And I feel like, you know, part of the freedom of rap has always been to make those kinds of choices. And um, I think it's extra important for those in the independent game, to really be pushing that forward, uh, and it's and and that, if done correctly, is going to give us all kinds of different kinds of music that sound very different from each other. But that's the point, you know what I mean? It's it's reflecting that variance that I think is important for people to understand, uh, and that's what you're not typically going to get in the mainstream. Typically, in the mainstream, you kind of get um, the same sorts of imagery um, over and over again, even if the Even if the clothing styles or the uh, album covers are very artistic, a lot of times with the music itself, you get a similar sound. You get a lot of the same imagery and a lot of the same um, kind of content and attitudes. And I think, you know, regardless of whether or not that stuff is good or bad, and I think a lot of it is great music. I think that oftentimes this serves this narrative of black people only being one thing. Um, so I've always sought to, um, subvert that and, and try to work toward dismantling that idea.
1: Absolutely. What kind of space are you in having made the album and now being, you know, at a further distance to experience having made that album? What What's your relationship like with this material? Where do, where does this sit in your opinion with your best work to date?
0: Um, well, okay, there's a couple ways I can answer that. One, I think that because I'm speaking to things a bit more directly in terms of my, my uh, emotional experience, that um, I, I think there's a hmm, there's a potency to, to some of the writing here that that I'm really proud of. Um, the other thing is musically, um, the way that I developed this project, was that I, you know, I I wrote these songs, I demoed these songs, and I took them to a world-renowned record producer, like producer in the traditional sense, not in um, a beat maker, but somebody who who I was able to bring these songs, um, you know, and beats were made by other people, but I'm bringing these songs to a producer, and like they're helping to craft them into like something that I really feel like is musically more um, satisfying than stuff that I've done before too, like more lush, more, um, more sophisticated in arrangement mm. than, uh, than, than music that I've done before too. So uh, on those two things, I, I really, um, I'm super proud of it. Now there's a third thing. This is about the subject matter itself and the vulnerability in it that is difficult to, it's, this is the project that's most difficult for me to talk about in like an interview, for instance, because, um, Hmm. Because it's it's harder to have the meta conversation about like the conversation about the thoughts or the the feelings behind the music because it's also very like sensitive. And that's not to say that that this particular interview is like difficult, um but just that interviews around this project are more difficult because I'm right. having to tap into a space that's not like Um, Like when I'm writing these songs, it's me writing to myself. Um, And when I am writing to myself about these songs, I'm not necessarily thinking about having to put these songs in a context for people who don't know everything about my personal life, for instance. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's just a little tricky when it comes to that. I
1: mean, let's talk about some of those difficulties at a wider sense. I mean, the album's executive produced by Jack Knife Lee. What were some of the challenges, individual or collaborative, working on this album, given this weird and um, unprecedented timeline it was created in?
0: Um. Well, fortunately, most of the heavy lifting was done before... Um, the pandemic really became a serious thing that, that, uh, altered everyone's lives. Um, so, you know, I got to fortunately deal with a lot of the collaboration with the, with the individual, you know, music producers and, and with Jack Knife Lee, the overall executive producer of the album, like I, because of the subject matter, like conversations even around production choices was difficult at times like if i was really married to the way that a a song sounded or a way i said a thing or a way that the beat sounded right there sometimes it's difficult for me to let go of it because this is very emotional material um but fortunately i was able to cross all of those bridges and have all those conversations before everything went to shit for everybody um Cause I imagine it would have been even harder, um, trying to negotiate some of these things and trying to, um, you know, handle the, I don't want to say technical part of things, but like the procedural part of things, Mm. um, that would have probably been a lot more difficult to do after, um, everything was shut down and everybody was dealing with that the way that they're dealing with it. So is the rest of
1: this album as as shape shifting and genre transcending as as this new single is, which of course you just released an amazing video for.
0: Thank you, man. Um, I, probably not so much in terms of genre, even though a lot of these songs do sound very different from each other. I think, um, you know, Bucciarati is the one, the only one on the album. I think that directly has a dancy type feel to it in any way um i you know i probably should think about that before i say it but uh that is my my um my off the top of the head emotional memory of of the music on the album is that most of it is uh you know hip-hop but it's all weird it's all weird like that like it's i don't think anything on there is like a standard anything um i think all of it is combining different musical influences, but Butcherati uh, kind of stands apart with having that kind of um, dance influence in it at near the end of the song, especially.
1: Do you feel like you could have made this album without the circumstances of making it in? Do you feel had this pandemic not happened, you wouldn't be as charged as you are creatively,
0: having made this? Um, mm, no, I, I feel like I feel like yeah, I this is what I would have made. in a lot of ways, it's what I did make before any of this happened. And and now I kind of find myself with question marks about what necessarily to do next, because like I think a lot of other people who are creating right now are facing darkness in a way that may be unprecedented for them. Um, Where me, I feel like I did my dark album before everything got dark. Now what do I do? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't I don't want to do another dark one. Like, right. I, w- I want to like, you know, find some way to um, exist within this in a way where it's not depending on um, depending on how how I'm feeling. You know what I'm saying? All right. So this is this is my this is what I need to do. I know I need to do something to feel better. This is it. So
2: stop asking me all these questions. Th- stop trying to take this away from me i have chosen house joe star and i got it right you can tell from singing my demeanor and my body type A heart split into part boo part honorable one part cool plus two parts comical and look at what i wear i keep my hair asymmetrical i drink too much beer i should eat <laughs> More vegetables and my waistline Would be like I remember it, and you would see the feel. There's a striking resemblance. Cause show the blade strong in the Joe Star family. I know cause I belong to the Joe Star family. You're looking at me like open mic. How can it be? I say it real slow. Cause you ain't understanding me, my Joe Star. I hate you saying all my I'm I'm a Joe I, will
1: never be a I mean you just wrapped up let's see how this goes a socially distanced music and comedy tour with hannibal bureaus i mean how, how did that go
0: oh man it was so weird uh it was fun it was special because it was you know everybody doing a show and then seeing a show a lot of for a lot of people it was you know, their first time seeing a show in, in a long time. So there's a lot of uncertainty around what to do. Um, and there's a weirdness, man, to performing in a drive-in. Like there's a mm-hmm. there's a weirdness to it. Like there's a distance between you and people. Uh, there's a distance between people and each other. And I think a lot of that affects energy. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, there was this journey of trying to find the way to deliver the best show. When I don't have access to the metrics that I typically pay attention to to let me know that something's going well um, in terms of a live performance, like not getting that immediate energy feedback that um, is so vital to a show. Um, so you know, there there was there was some difficulties and some weirdness. I do think overall it was a good thing. I, I think that all of us are just trying to figure it out, and um, and and I think that that was like a pretty solid attempt. And um, you know it'll be interesting to see how the the idea of live shows evolve over the next year or so because um, there's there's certainly improvements to be made and um you know it'll it'll be interesting to see how it develops
1: have you thought about what about developments have you thought as far ahead as, as doing more virtual shows when and of course where possible in support of this new album and, and what have what are some of those new developments that you would like To see implemented in those shows
0: I'm gonna do a live show for my album release party I'm gonna do something that's streamed and I think because it's streamed um, I'm gonna be able to innovate a little bit in terms of how I'm presenting the music which I'm really excited about Um, I think the the big the big problem to be solved on my end and this is reflected in all of the shows that I've done from home in the pandemic and even in doing the drive-in shows that I did, it's like, how do we route energy back to the performer um, Mm -hmm. in these situations? Like, a, a lot of the tech right now seems to be designed to deliver the energy from the performer to the audience, which is great, but live shows are very dependent on an energy feedback loop, and, like, we have to figure out a way to give some to get some energy going back to the performer in a way that's not like chaotic and distracting
1: what's the balance in you maintaining an energy with this recent show i mean what was was there any was there any key or trick in maintaining such a balance that there was a relationship between yourself and the
0: audience Uh, i think that for me it was about these moments in the show where i ask people to do something noisy and mm-hmm. you know, some people for some people that was blowing their horns, for some people that was clapping, for some people that was screaming, uh, and 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 that was to um, kind of send a jolt through the audience that would override whatever reluctance they might have been carrying and not knowing what to do. Um, and in in an overall sense, it's about me trusting in the um, the intended power. Of my delivery like in trying to um, gauge based on the sound that I'm hearing from the monitors uh, whether or not I'm hitting what I need to hit because I feel like if I'm hitting what I need to hit then it's resonating with people and kind of having to, to find that trust without having those those metrics that I'm used to having
1: right I mean if we're talking about ins, of course we can't not mention Byron Vaughn and his path in filmmaking now he's just recently made a film of course for shudder a short on a scare package i feel like i feel Mm. like open Mike eagles one music video away from directing a film yourself
0: uh yeah i directed a video last year and i had fun doing that i think that um that there has been a thing in me the entire time i've been making music videos where um i probably should have directed way more of them um but I just had been reluctant to take that much responsibility. But I, I, in a lot of senses, concepts that I've done have come from, from me. And I've just, I've not, um, I have not trusted myself to execute those concepts. And so, you know, I've I've ended up with a lot of, with a lot of these projects that, um, that I've been really pleased with, but they aren't, They aren't necessarily my original vision when i came up with the concept and i feel like going forward that is something i should definitely do more it's like Mm. come up with the concept and then also go the extra mile of executing it so that it's all ultimately reflective of things that are in the song that i want to put across Um, i think that helps me to create context for myself in a way that's very important and um, I don't know that I want to get into filmmaking uh, as a thing outside of music. Um, I do know I want to write more, but, um, you know, in, in terms of 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 directing, I feel like that's um, in a lot of senses, that's a, a, a technical journey that I'm not sure I have the energy for.
2: When I get nervous, say something relatable I'm hella relatable That's hella legit and not really debatable I live in your neighborhood That guy you shit talking is right there in back of you So try to act natural Remember that movie, they all gonna laugh at you It's so understandable Sometimes when I'm social, I feel incompatible I live in the capital I live in the forest, it's green and it's magical I live international, I am not rational but I'm just so illogical. I don't wear a monocle. I don't know which sequels are truly canonical. I'm sorry, don't follow you. I pro- I promise I truly can really remember you. I'm not just pretending to. I'm trying to distinguish between individuals. And I'm feeling invisible. I promise I'm truly and really relatable. I'm watching a data board. I fuck with millennials cutting my cable too. As soon as I'm able to. I'm super relatable, super accessible. I'm super accessible. Just look at my calendar, look at my schedule. Monday is incredible. Some people are dummies, but I'm intellectual. I'm just like the rest of you, my garbage disposal is stuck on a festival. I should call a professional, man y'all look incredible, damn!
0: I'm currently, my, my inspirations haven't taken root there. Yeah,
1: that makes a lot of sense. I mean, are you surprised by the critical acclaim of what happened was, um, and continues to get? I mean, how do you think your relationship with Prince Paul's music has changed as a direct influence of talking to him about it in some of these projects?
0: Um I mean it's only grown like my 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 love for the stuff he's done has grown by really having a deeper understanding of who he was as a person when he was making a lot of that stuff
1: mm.
0: and um and and having an understanding of what expectations he had put on himself what expectations were there in the rap game at the time and and how he was able to Put his chips on himself and wind up in all sorts of rooms and situations that he'd never planned. Um, so I don't know, like that—that that stuff. It's—it's—it's it's, it's really been. It was illuminating for me to talk to him in a lot of ways, uh, and and to be able to have a, this this really um, well-rounded, deep understanding of like Paul Houston, the person, um, having you know made all that music. Because I think. The way that I came into music is was, was as being such a fan, like such a fan that like um, I tend to think of these people as like superheroes. I tend to think of these people as like otherworldly. Um, and then to talk to him and understand the actual humanity that he brings into all of those projects was like really deeply illuminating for me. It's an amazing podcast, man. It's an amazing series. Thank you, man. I'm,
1: I'm I'm looking forward to if there will be, of course, a next series where you talk to a different artist because it's a great um, the way you do it. The way you navigate through those episodes was inspiring.
0: Thank you, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate that a lot. And there definitely will be a season two. I'm I'm hoping to start taping soon.
1: Very dope. Now the ability to know everything about these projects how do you, how do you think that's changed fandom in hip hop? Can you can you speak to the power? Of the you know fly on the wall experience and how that changes people's perceptions of a song or an album.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so you mean like people listening to the conversations and how that affects, affects their, their right? Um, you know that's difficult to gauge at this point um, because I see these conversations and the information that comes out of them as very very important. Just like the potential of this information, like I look at it like. These things need to be documented. Like these are important legacies. Like these catalogs from these artists are like really important, and and they're not talked about enough. They're not put in the proper context of being like, you know, because I don't know if you remember VH1 used to do Hip Hop Honors. You remember that? Absolutely,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Now that I used to feel so conflicted about that because, yes, they would take um, heroes of hip hop. And put them on this pedestal for a night. And celebrate them. Which I think needs to happen all the time. But. They only celebrated people. Who had sold a lot of records. Mm. And to me. like That does such a disservice. To the history and importance. Of this music. When it's only based on. Who performed well in the industry. And not like who was influential or who was dope or who, um, who innovated, uh, like those are the stories that I feel I need to be told because there's so much genius that goes unheralded, um, without having these conversations. So I'm hoping that ultimately people having access to this type of information will like increase the perceived importance of these projects. Um, because that's what I want to help to do is like balance out what gets attention historically um, in hip hop. Because right now, like capitalism does what capitalism does, which is like celebrate what has made money. Mm. Um, and, and, and that in itself is going to um, elevate a specific amount of artists. And that's great. But then like there's this whole other conversation about true cultural importance that I'm hoping these conversations helps to push forward.
1: Absolutely. We're talking about a different value than currency, of yes. course, and people understanding that value. And I think what your show did is a necessity for maintaining, like you say, documentation of the culture we love and the music we love more.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. hundred percent.
1: I mean, the obvious question for me to ask would be, was there a conversation with Paul about yourselves working on a project yourself?
0: Yeah, um, there's conversation around it. Um, I don't, I don't think that me and Paul have happened upon the right idea yet that would inform, like, we don't want to do it just to do it. Right. Um, I think it's about us finding like the lightning in a bottle type idea. Um, and then, and the other thing is this, like, to be honest me talking to Prince Paul for twelve episodes of a podcast about his music, to me, um that counts as a very meaningful collaboration to me. And maybe it, it's quite it's possible that maybe like that's how we should collaborate. Um and not not the other way. You know what I'm saying? Like and, and, yeah. and not not to say that uh not to say that I wouldn't, because of course I would. Um I just when it comes to me and and the way that I think of myself um, as a musician, as a person, as a, you know, as a human, um, I am open, especially because I have different tools on my tool belt. Like I'm open to different ways of collaborating. Um, You know, and, and, and like I said, just being able to work with him on that and getting his stories out there to me is like, the most fortunate feeling in the world.
1: It has to make sense, right? Yeah. You're an artist that grows through life rather than goes through life. And you've done just that with Stony Island Audio. Can you talk to me about Stony Island Audio, which is a network for podcasts and a label for music? I feel like this is a natural progression for you in a path you've taken. Walk, walk me through the evolution of Stony Island as an idea. And Stony Island as a long term goal with an end game in mind
0: uh okay so there's Stony island audio which is my podcast network and there's auto reverse which is my my record label and I actually have a merch company called merch engine too um and for me like the the initial idea for all three of these things is about me being able to own what I do and and not just ownership in the the sense of controlling the revenue, but ownership in the sense of being able to execute my ideas. Um, And so the establishment of these entities and the continued um, making and promoting of products with these entities and how I'm learning how to do business uh, in these different fields, um, you know, with, with varying levels of success, you know, for, for the, maybe this T-shirt sells a lot. Maybe this one doesn't sell anything. Maybe this podcast does great. Maybe this one doesn't do great. Uh, maybe this album is a huge success. Maybe this other one is not so successful. Like, those things in itself, like, that is the long-term goal for me, uh, is to put skin in the game for all of these things that I think is important and to not have to answer to anybody else about what I think is valuable, And to just be able to execute those things.
1: Does it feel weird to have recently seen Kanye engage on Twitter about ownership and changing a system, given the way you operate and do things on your own terms independently? Was it weird to see so much dialogue about artists being independent and ownership and not seeing any independence in that conversation?
0: Yeah, it really pissed me off a lot, honestly. I think there's a lot of conversation about independence and black media that completely ignores people who are actually independent in black media. And, and to me, like what it does is it, it exposes this this kind of like. This attitude that only um, like it, it's kind of like the same thing I was saying about hip hop honors, like only entities who have done huge numbers are important in a conversation. And thereby, in a lot of senses, it's only entities that have been blessed already by the corporate machines that are in control of things already. Like, only those are important. So, like, we're, you know, this conversation is only about people who have already had big mainstream record deals suddenly needing to be independent. We're like, to me, that's undermining their own conversation already. Like, if, if the conversation is about, oh, my podcast was signed to Spotify. Now we're going independent. And that's the fight. And that's all that matters. And... Uh, and, and that fight is, is happening with somebody who works for a radio station, who is starting his own podcast network that's, that's married to a giant corporation. Um, to me, like them ignoring people who are already doing this reflects this attitude I think they have that these things aren't important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does a disservice to the entire conversation they're trying to have because if they meant what they said, they'd be looking for people like me. You know mm. what I'm saying, but they don't like they don't really care like it's really all about it's really all about people who exist on a certain level already.
1: you could tell that it, there was no regard to actually create a real change or reach out to artists like yourself and talk about change
0: well, yeah, I mean, you know I, I think for him it's about Travis Scott and Drake and Jake Cole and you know like the people he considers peers um mm. And it's not to say that that's not important. It's just like I don't, I don't understand. Well, I think I do understand. Not wanting to have a, a holistic conversation about what it means for people who are actually independent and have been independent. Like there's a legacy. It is like it doesn't just start with me. Like I'm from a long line mm. of independent rappers. Independent hip hop has been around for 25 years. You know what I'm saying? Like and and, and I don't know. I just think it does a disservice to the conversation they're trying to have by not acknowledging that this path has been here.
1: Mm. I mean, it's hard to not talk about yourself and what you do without talking about the lineage in freestyle fellowship and going exactly. back to of course too short, right?
0: Exactly. Like that's like hip hop. There's such a history of hip hop artists getting by and thriving and succeeding by selling their products out the trunk, by figuring out the means of production to make cassettes and figuring out you know how you go to the plant and how you get graphics made and like putting it together themselves. Like that's what Project Blow did. Like AC alone and Abstract Root and Micah Nine, they were all signed to major record labels. And then when those relationships ended, they figured out the means for production to press up a CD. And at that time, nobody was doing it. Nobody figured out that they could go straight to the plant with their files and their music and get a CD made. They could also sit in Sam Goody next to the stuff that Universal and Capital was putting out. Um, that's what independence is. Um, it's, it's having your products in the marketplace without having to be a slave to the big machine and make it happen. Um, and And understanding which services you have to purchase, which PR, which, you know, like graphic designs all of these things like it's, it's understanding that um and putting product together and that's that's the definition of independence um and and so to have a conversation about independence it starts with oh yeah i've been signed to universal for six albums and now i want my masters and these contracts are all bogus and none of us should be subject to that it's like yeah that's great but also, you're not you're not the origin of that wave. You're 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 not blaze. You're not having to blaze a new trail. Um, it exists. We're out here. We're living day to day off of music independently. Like it already works. It it happens. We're out here.
1: So, what do you think the future is for the industry? Does our twenty first century business world really have to be so much like Spotify and so little like Bandcamp?
0: Yeah, it's going to be. Like- because Spotify, Spotify is the one that's made the deals With the big companies and that's why like that's going to continue To be the main mode of uh, of consumption And also Unfortunately Spotify is reflective Of the value Of music as a commodity For overall society And that's not to say that like it Deserves to have lesser value than it used to But it's just like, like We all have to look at technology in a practical way And the fact that like and an album as information is a really small thing. Um, and once our personal storage capability in terms of our phones and our computers became such that we could have a bunch of them, uh, transfer them between each other um, without our payment, that means that the value of that information goes down. And Spotify is reflective of that. Like. So music as a, as a subscription service is actually reflective of the va- the economic value of music as information. And so the rates that Spotify pays do not have to be as low, because that's what's being negotiated with the record labels and how much money they're paying them. Um, but that method of consumption versus band camps, uh, I think, is actually where things are headed. Um. Mm. Uh, I don't think things are headed back towards the Bandcamp model because it only makes sense for you as a consumer to pay that much money um, for a product unless you're doing it with the intent and the knowledge that you are overpaying for a reason. And not everybody's going to do that because not everybody's that much of a fan of music. That's
1: true. I mean, let's take Joe Budden, arguably somebody who's one of Spotify's biggest exclusive podcasters. He just left the platform. It's also being criticized by Joe Rogan fans. Do you think Spotify is doing as much as it can to support the voices of different perspectives of podcasters like yourself?
0: No, but I don't think that's Spotify's job, really. Uh, true. I... I yeah, like I would love it if they put me on the front page of their podcast um, section on their on their app that is that honestly isn't even that highly developed. Like they they want to have um, they want to have podcast be a um, an important part of their business model because it keeps people on their platform and it it is it is a way for them to continue to. Be content creators without having to deal with major labels which takes a lot of their income away so like it's it's free money for them in a lot of ways um and i totally get all of that and i think that like i, I don't i don't know that it's their responsibility to promote valued varied voices uh, i i think they're a giant company and and what they're going to do is is try to make money and if it looks if it looks valuable for them to be diverse, then that's what they'll do. If it looks valuable to them to um present the most consumed content first, which seems to be the case right now, then that's what they're gonna do. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think me reaching people and promoting myself is more on me than it's on them. How beneficial do you think
1: lockdowns being on podcasts? Got to
0: be big. I mean and, and sure and, and absolutely it's it's been helpful for mine um in 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 lots of ways um that people are sitting still and people aren't quite so distracted by everything that I you know that I know people like I just saw on Twitter today somebody said they binged every episode again. (laughs) Right? I'm like, wow you, you couldn't imagine somebody doing something like that if the world were were back to normal. But um you know I guess that's one of the few benefits of things being shut down is if you're a person like myself who makes things people actually have time to sit and uh, and and listen to them or consume them
1: absolutely you just announced a new edition to stony island podcast earlier today premiering next week mm-hmm. talk to me about the concept for can't knock the shuffle
0: so sean Cantrowitz, who does um this excellent hip-hop game show called the questions um he developed a podcast called Can't Knock the Shuffle. And um, on this podcast, he talks to rappers about their music. But the way that he does it is before they start the conversation, he does a random shuffle of their entire catalog. And he talks about like the first seven songs that come up. Um, And this is really interesting way to like get stories from from rappers that they're not used to telling, because it's not just them talking about the lead single or not them talking about the big huge guest appearance that they did um but it's actually digging into deep cuts and through that you get the stories of the projects you get the perspective that they were in when they wrote these songs Mm -hmm. um and to me it's just like it's a very very engaging interview and and i've I've loved every episode of it that i've heard so far so i'm excited for people to hear this and also to hear that too also, like, like you know, the type of people he's talking to are the people who like, like these are the these are the catalogs I want to promote. People like MERS, RJD2, J Live, Homeboy Sandman. Like, these these are the catalogs that like I want to be helping to get more information about out there in the world.
1: And It goes back to promoting that documentation, which is much needed now more than ever, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I think so, and I think people are ready for it. You know, I think people are ready for the narrative behind the music and you know right now the narrative game is dominated by huge artists who have lots of uh pr resources but i think the way that 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 balances things is more towards what's happening right now where i think we have a history of music to celebrate um so i'm excited to have another project that does that
1: open mike eagle i appreciate you joining us on fly fidelity
0: thank you man uh, always good to talk to you man you ask great questions
2: I won't live forever. I had a direction and split from the thesis. Now I need more fingers to pick up the pieces. Fighting to follow the line in the writing. Fall was exciting. My winter coat Has removable linings. Who's gonna bring me good comfort and tidings? Cause Santa ain't company wasn't invited. I wasn't expected to need it. Was headed a different direction. I seen it. I seen it. I seen it. I seen it the phoenix trying to
0: emerge from these disparate pieces. I'm watching it struggle. Watching it juggle. Its feathers was burning. A hole in the puzzle. It trapped it. It's hooked on the shit that they hustle. Picture was blurring. And drawing as muddled as ugh.
2: I'm broken the zip again, trying to feel